welcome to A Degree in Sports, your home for college football and college basketball. My name's Cole, and I'm here alongside my great mate, Jeff Tate. Jeff, how are you doing this evening? Good, Cole. You know, it's it's not it's not our greatest week of college football to look forward to, but it's football, and we are always going to talk enthusiastically about football because there are still some really good games this week. But we're recording this Wednesday, September 13th. Uh, NFL's in full swing, got college football, and that's what I want to watch every weekend. I love the NFL, but college football has a special place in my heart. And there's just nothing like watching games on Saturday versus the games on Sunday. They just mean so much more on Saturday, in my opinion. And it's just, it's good, but it is good to have football back. It's starting to feel like fall here in Michigan. I don't know what it's like for you out in Arizona, but this week it's been, I mean, a few of these mornings have been 40 degrees and it's feeling like fall and I love fall because it means football. Listen, starting Sunday here, there is no day on the foreseeable future that my weather app is telling me that it gets over 100 degrees. So that is, I'm like, okay, we're about to get some hoodie weather, you know, 90 degrees. Let's get it. And uh, no, it's, it's, it is getting more pleasant here. It's starting to, it is starting to feel a lot like football. I am not going to complain one bit about this slate this week because five weeks ago, we didn't have any slates. So you know what? I'm going to enjoy this week. I am so happy that we just get to watch football. I'm, I'm going to cherish it. I'm not going to take it for granted. Yes, the slate doesn't look as good, but also some weeks where the slate isn't as good are the weeks that, that sneak up on you and some shocking things could happen and maybe some upsets happen. So yeah, it could it could be a fun week. Don't don't sleep on it. You got to watch them all, especially if you really love the game and you, you got to watch them all. And I will say what I learned last week watching a full day of college football and then a full day of the NFL is the product and the emotion and the intensity is so much better in college than it is in the NFL. It, it definitely just feels like it means more, more emotional. And I, I, call, I, I, I was really set in stone for me last weekend that college football is a superior product to professional football. Yeah, totally agree. And it's kind of funny. It was as a, as a Detroit Lions fan, it was so much fun to not have a game on Sunday. So me and a friend went out. Played some golf during the one o'clock slate in NFL, you know, and it was like, hey, when your teams are good, it's nice to not always have to watch Sunday and they got primetime games. So that was kind of fun. But I am excited for this week because Michigan State has a really good game. And so getting to go to that game, I don't feel like I'm going to miss as much as I've usually been missing going to some games. And next weekend, they play Maryland and that. That's a tough game to go to because there are we will we're, we're not even going to spoil next week for people, but next week is insane. Like, buckle up and get ready for next week. Like, you might have to have four TVs all day to even catch any of the really good football because there are so many games next week. But Cole, as people in in the Midwest, well, roots in the Midwest for you. I think we got to talk Michigan State football. Obviously, a lot has happened since we recorded this podcast on Saturday night. So this news all broke. I believe I saw the first notification about 20 minutes after getting off the pod recording with Cole. And so Mel Tucker, for anybody that does not know, has been suspended by Michigan State uh, for just an inappropriate relationship with somebody who works in the Title IX uh, sexual assault type business. We will not get into details what happened. You can read the articles. They are very <laughs> detailed on what happened. But as a Michigan State fan, it, it's a new reality for now. Uh, he, he has not gotten fired. Um, there's a hearing happening in October, I believe. And that is where I think that's the first time where he can actually be fired for cause from the university. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a school official. So I don't I don't know all of how that the legality of all of that works. But I know from a football perspective, Mel Tucker was 50-50 on people liking him at Michigan State, I would say. I think you had your pretty big crowd of people, including myself, to be honest, who liked Mel Tucker as the head coach of Michigan State and thought, Maybe he was building something. You had a lot of people that were really not excited by this news because anyone that is excited about 
this type of stuff. Like, that's just not cool. And so there's a lot of people that are excited for the fact that Michigan State now will most likely be able to get out of his contract without having to pay a buyout. His buyout, I believe, is over $80 million if Michigan State had a down year and they wanted to move on this year and they wanted to fire Mel Tucker. Well, they would have to pay, I, I believe it was 80 to $85 million just for him to not coach a game. So boosters and alumni all have to make up for that if you don't want him. Well, what happened this would give Michigan State grounds to like completely negate the buyout and just fire him and owe him no money. So there's a lot of behind-the-scenes things like who leaked all this stuff. A lot of people, conspiracy theories that have some roots, in my opinion, because of what Michigan State would stand to gain if they did not want Mel Tucker as the coach. But Cole, it's it's sad because you don't, even I know you're a Michigan fan, and I know you don't want things at Michigan State to be good. It just sucks because it, it does happen. It's happened a lot more recently at Michigan State, and it's just sad when things like this happen. Now, I'm going to say on the record, I think there's a lot more to the story based on hearing both sides, and I am not in the business of saying who's right and who's wrong, but... I think there's a lot more to the story that'll come out. I don't think Mel Tucker ever coaches a game at Michigan State again, regardless of if he is proven to be not guilty. I just don't think there's a scenario where Mel Tucker comes back. But those are just my thoughts, Cole. We don't want to spend a ton of time talking, but we, as college football, college football podcast, especially one that I talk Michigan State a lot, we definitely had to cover it. Yeah, this is something that's outside of of fandom. Uh, this is this topic in general, like a scandal like this, whether there is validity to it or not, is something that you just hate to see happen no matter where it's at, whether it's for your uh, your arch rival or for your own team. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really, really muddy situation right now, especially given that both sides seem like he said, she said, opposite sides. What we do know is that there was a relationship there. The question is not that there, if there was or not, is more of the consent of the relationship. And it, it's it's a really weird situation. There's a lot of holes, it seems like, in both stories. Or maybe not holes, but a lot of questions that still need to be answered. And it's it's weird. So Brenda Tracy is the, is the woman who is involved in this. And she is an activist for goes to universities all around to basically empower men at, for football teams, especially to make better decisions, um, lead better, not because there's been a big problem in sports of with too many sexual assault cases um, and just to empower men and lead men to not partake in that and to lead other men and other teammates to also not partake in that. So she's been the biggest activist in that in college football for the last four or five years. She has personal experience with this at uh, as a few Oregon State players sexually assaulted her, and that's what got her into this. So it's a very touchy subject in the sense that there is a lot of baggage there for her as far as wounds that I'm sure have come from that and what she has done with her life from that. So it's just it's all muddy. Just the people who are involved, a high-profile coach, this woman who's a big activist against sexual assault, and then who leaked what. There's so much just questions that need to be answered. So yeah, I, I don't, I'm not going to accuse. I'm not going to say who did what, who did this. I'm not going to say Michigan State won, this guy fired. Everything, a lot of things could come out and I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm going to reserve any consensus until I see all the facts because there's still a lot to be answered here and we're just going to wait and see. And the situation just as a whole, whether it's true or not, whatever is happening, the whole situation sucks and you never want to see it happen to any team. Yeah. And I think the, one of the big things is obviously, like you said, I mean, you, there are, there's major holes in both sides of the story. Like you just read both individual statements. I mean, they're very different, very certain events say were one way and the other person said it was another way. So that a lot of stuff that is definitely going to take a good bit of time and and unfortunately, it's just one of those things where you just don't want that for your fan base that you root for. Like, I, I don't want that. And I really hope that this is not an inside job for Michigan State. Not what happened, but I really hope this is not the university thinking that this is an easy way to get out. Because that's just not that's just not the way I would want the team I root for to go about things, especially 
Um, with all the stuff that's happened at Michigan State, that's just not how I would want it to go. And so you look at on the on the football field. So Harlan Barnett, he's a longtime staple with Mark D'Antonio, who I'll get to in a sec. Harlan Barnett, defensive backs coach. He is going to be the acting head coach while Mel Tucker is gone. I think they picked the single best person on that staff to be the coach, acting coach going forward. A lot of people wondered why Jay Johnson, the offensive coordinator, and Scotty Hazleton, the defensive coordinator, why didn't one of those two take over? Well, naturally, usually a coordinator would take over in an event like this, but Harlan Barnett has a lot of... uh, He's the player's coach. All the players, since this news has come out that he is going to be the acting head coach, are thrilled. They were the guy that they would have definitely wanted if they had a vote or anything like that. And I think Harlan Barnett has been around this program for a very long time. He's seen a lot at Michigan State. And his associate head coach is going to be Mark D'Antonio. So both of those guys have been together at Michigan State. Mark D'Antonio has won a lot of football games at Michigan State. Now, he didn't recruit most of these kids. Like, that's that's a fact. Well, shoot, maybe he did, to be honest, nowadays with some of these kids staying in college for five or six years. He might have recruited those guys. But a majority of the team were not picked by Mark D'Antonio. So you have a lot of a lot of different scenarios that can play out from that. I think they picked the best possible way to handle it in terms of who is going to be coaching on Saturday afternoons because I think Harlan Barnett is the guy and then Mark D'Antonio working with him. And then just letting the coordinators do exactly what the coordinators were doing first two weeks of the year. Because Mel doesn't call any plays. That's not one of the things he does for Michigan State on offense or defense. So from that perspective in football, I am really um, glad that that's who they chose to pick. I think Harlan Barnett's the type of guy that deserves a chance like this. And it's going to be weird. I'll be at the game Saturday. We're gonna Cole and I are going to preview some games coming up. And that's one we're going to preview. But... It's going to be a weird vibe there, Cole. Like, I mean, there's no there's no way around it. Like, this team walks out and Mel Tucker's in the middle of all the guys and they're they're linked up and that'll be that'll be different Saturday afternoon and they have a big game, a huge game. What better chance to make a statement and show that this team can move on from something like this than to to Washington. So we'll get to that. But any final thoughts on it, Cole? Yeah, I mean, I think MSU made every correct decision as far as who is going to lead the team next uh, through this. As a human being, as just like a leader of men, everyone raves about this guy. Everyone says that he is just a stand-up 10 out of 10 human being. I think right now in this situation, the thing we forget that we're talking all about Brenna Tracy and Mel Tucker is it sucks for these players and for these kids that had a, a, a man that was leading them, that they were looking up to, that they entrusted their college careers to, that they have to get rocked like this. It sucks for them, no matter what the outcome of it, of this whole thing is. It sucks for them, and I think they picked the right man to just go and take care of the players and be there for them. And bringing Mark D'Antonio in is just a great move, especially – just just the, for the football knowledge, for the knowledge of the program. And he's stayed uh, pretty close with the program from the outside. Uh, and I think I think it's just a perfect move by them. As much as I don't like Michigan State University, I do like this move that they made. And I, it was very stand-up move, I think. And I, I really, until I heard that Mark D'Antonio was going to be involved with the program for the rest of the season during this time, I didn't realize. So I didn't like Mark D'Antonio when he was – that Michigan State head coach just because he's Michigan State's head coach. And then came in Mel Tucker. I really don't like Mel Tucker. And I'm, I'm almost happy. Like, like it was almost a disrespect for Mel Tucker, whereas Mark D'Antonio, I, I hated him because he was good. And, like, you, I don't know. It was just, you know, that was more of, a, like, a respectful rivalry, rivalry. So I am – Almost, I almost felt relieved when I heard that he was coming back. And it's going to be fun to, to see him on the sideline again. I'm still going to root against him. I'm not going to be as fa- a fan of him. But I, I will say I'm happy to see him back on the sidelines for Michigan State. And that's all I have to say about yeah, that. Yeah, and so it would be it would be very – yeah, so for those who don't know, Mark D'Antonio was an advisor to the university when he stepped down as football coach. So, he's, yep, he's been around. I'm sure he was – he knew about this right when it dropped because I'm sure Alan Haller, the AD at Michigan State's first call was to Mark D'Antonio and asked if he could step in. And wouldn't it be ironic if Mel Tucker ended 2-1 and one against Michigan? That would be, 
he would, that'd be one he could he'd be pretty happy about if he doesn't ever coach another football game. But let's get into some games this week. Some actual football being played. We're gonna get to that Michigan State game in a few. But the first game I have Cole as a game to watch is at noon Saturday, and it's Penn State going on the road to Illinois. So Penn State is a 14 and a half point favorite going on the road to Illinois. Now Illinois came off a disappointing loss last week to Kansas. They did make it very interesting late, but they pretty much were dominated throughout that game. But this is Drew Aller's first, I'd say, not real test because he did play West Virginia in his first game, but this is his first test on the road, Big Ten football. Illinois does have a pretty good defense. Had a tough week last week against Kansas, but this is his first test on the road, 14.5 point favorites. Cole, what are your thoughts about this game? Yeah, I... This is going to be actually, I think, a really underrated game and a really good game. This is a real test uh, for Drew Aller to go on the road and play against a traditionally very solid defense. That's still maybe Kansas is that good. Especially, it's it's never easy to go play an out-of-conference opponent, Power 5, on the road against a really good quarterback in Jalen Daniels. So I think Illinois has a really good defense, and it's going to be interesting to see Drew Aller for the first time. This is the best team they've played this year. I think they're definitely better than West Virginia. And their defense definitely is to go play on the road. And there's tape on him now. So teams are preparing for him. This is a good defense. This is this is to me when when you start either, okay, this Drew Aller kid is not like, it's, it'll, it'll set in if he has a really good game. It'll really like, I think set in like, okay, yep, widely accepted. He's a very good quarterback. Or it will be, uh, like, maybe not. Is he that good? Tough, tough road test. So that's going to be, there's a lot to look for in this game. And will Illinois roll over? They have, they're coming off a loss. They need to bounce back. They haven't looked super great this year. This is their first Big Ten test, and they're going out to try to win the West this year. So this is a very important game for Illinois, and it'll be really fun to watch, I think. Yeah, the one thing for Drew Aller that I know has got to make James Franklin thrilled is, Last week, Kansas rushed for 262 yards on Illinois, six yards a carry, and Kansas has nothing on Penn State's run game. You have Noah Singleton and Catron Allen. So I know if I was a young quarterback going on the road, first real road environment as the starting quarterback, it'd be really nice to turn around and be able to hand the football to those two, especially looking at what happened last week to Illinois on the ground. And basically, I think the big thing in this game is Luke Altmeyer and that Illinois offense has got to be able to score early. I mean, they got down by three scores in that Kansas game, and that just was the end of it. They did make a run at the end of the game where they had a chance to score a touchdown to get it to, I want to say three with like two minutes left in the game, and they didn't. But it's it's going to come down to Luke Altmeyer. Uh, Illinois is having a hard time running the football. Altmeyer leads them in pass or in passing and rushing yards. So whenever your quarterback does that, that probably is not a great thing for your run game. But yeah, Cole, it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, going on the road is never easy, especially for a young quarterback like Drew Aller. Fourteen and a half points is a is a good bit of points. Maybe one of us will have a pick for this later in the pod. But I don't know. I think it's Big Ten football's starting for most of these teams. We're one week away from, I think, everybody. I mean, like some teams have played a game like Ohio State, Indiana played, Northwestern played Rutgers. We're starting to get into, I'd say, actually the games. But um, that game I'm very interested for because I want to see what Drew Aller's about. I haven't really watched much of his first two games. And this is a game I definitely want to see because I want to know, can this team beat, can this team come in and beat Ohio State and Columbus, or can they beat Michigan at home? Well, a game like this coming out and making a statement, I think you would see a lot, Cole. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's going to be fun to watch. This is These are both very, I think, when I picture the Big Ten teams, these are both very Big Ten brands. So it's going to be fun to see these two teams going at it. It's really going to make it, I feel like these two teams on a field together just feels like fall. And it's gonna be fun to watch. Yeah, I would, I would, I would echo that. That these two teams are, they they play very Big Ten football, and they're they're giving us a show at noon on Saturday. So another game that's at noon on Saturday. I know we got in a little heated debate about LSU Alabama. LSU is going on the road to start their SEC playoff at Mississippi State. Now this Mississippi State team looks a lot different than they have in the past. So. 
obviously the uh, the legend of Mike or of uh, Mike Leach passed away last year, and he was the air raid king. Like that dude wanted to throw it for 400, 500 yards a game, and that's not how it is now. They they like to run the football, which is ironic based on the fact that Will Rogers is their quarterback who is a perfect air raid type quarterback. So LSU, nine and a half point favorite at Mississippi State. It's a very hard place to go in and play. Uh, The Cowbells are a crazy environment to play a football game in. Uh, An 11 o'clock start. I don't know. I think this is going to be a really good game. You're going to learn a lot about LSU. If this was a traditional Mississippi State team that just threw it all the time, I'd be really concerned if I was LSU. Not saying it's not going to be a close game, but with LSU's struggles in the secondary, if Mississippi State was throwing the ball a lot more, I mean, you look at Will Rogers, he's only thrown for 389 yards in two games. So he's under 200 yards a game. I'm pretty sure last year he was well over like 300, 350 yards a game. So a very different looking Mississippi State team, but... I think we're in for a really good game, though, Cole. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting to see. I'm high on Arizona. Most of the country is not. Mississippi State has gotten a lot of bad press for their overtime win at home. I do think no matter how good Arizona is this year, I think you should not be winning, uh, having that team take you to overtime at home. And so so that, that'll be – we'll see, I think, what Mississippi State is also truly made of. I think Zach Arnett – has done a really poor job as Mississippi State's head coach. I think that this team was built to really take the next step this year. They had a lot of guys returning. If they just kind of kept with their system, doing what they could have done, we could have seen maybe a if a 10-win team, 9-win team. Like I think this could have been a really good team this year. And uh, it's, it's a shame, obviously, the way everything happened. And, I mean, the legend, Mike Leach. And it, it's, it makes me even more mad that Zach Garnett has almost just fully undone everything that he was doing and just just went the opposite direction. And, and they're not better for it. They're an uglier-looking team. They're not utilizing Will Rogers. They're not – like, I, I don't think – I we're going to learn a lot about LSU this game, especially on the road. We will learn a lot. But I think this is a big letdown spot, um, a real awakening for Mississippi State. Um, I think LSU is going to run through them. And who knows? Like, maybe this was all part of the plan, and we're going to come out here in week three, and he's just going to air it out and just shock everybody. Who knows? Like, you never really know with these guys, especially not that I think they would ever take Arizona lightly, but – Maybe they didn't divulge the whole playbook, and they know to win this game, they have to throw it and have to do this. Now, I don't know if that's the case, but wouldn't that be something if they just come out here and Will Rogers throws for 400 yards, and this is a 45-42 to game, which I could see because LSU can score, and I think Mississippi State has the capabilities to score. They just haven't exactly showed it the first two weeks, but still really hard to go on the road win a game like this. I think this will be this will be a fun one to watch. Also at noon, um, so maybe you get both screens going with the uh, Mississippi State-LSU game and Penn State-Illinois game. I don't know. Any more thoughts on this game, Cole? Yeah, I just want to reiterate that Zach Arnett also, I, the way he, I watch him interact, I think a lot of coaches kind of have to have a certain just leadership feel to them and almost like an aura about them. And I think Zach Arnett, it just feels a little bit immature to me, a little not ready for it. Just watching some of his press conferences and the way he interacts uh, on the sideline, I just think he is not built to be Power 5 head coach yet. So, yeah, I think I, I think this this team uh, and this, this season is going to be an ugly one for him. Well, hey, he could really stick it to one of your playoff teams this Saturday at noon, and he could, he could make a lot of people like him. He could. He could. And I, I, I could be eating my words. I definitely could be, but okay, yeah, fair that's, enough. that's I my think gut feeling on him right I now. I respect it. So the next game in the SEC that I want to talk about, there's a lot of SEC games um, this week, but South Carolina goes on the road to Georgia. So Georgia's a 27.5 point favorite at home, South Carolina. I don't think this is going to be a close game, but I'm very interested to see Georgia against an SEC team because they've played... UT Martin and, oh, geez, I I am drawing a blank who their last team was. Uh, Ball State. So UT Martin and Ball State. So 
not anything on the level of uh, South Carolina. But last time we saw South Carolina on the national stage, they got killed by North Carolina week one. Obviously, Vegas isn't expecting this to be a close game. But can South Carolina make this game? Can South Carolina easily cover? Let's just say that. Maybe it's one of our picks later in the podcast. But do you see a scenario where South Carolina Went, loses by two touchdowns or three touchdowns and easily covers that 27 and a half. I could definitely see them making it a lot closer than you would think from the outside, especially because Georgia back-to-back weeks has started really slow and looked not great. They've, they finished every game strong and, and really left no doubt, killed their opponents. But they have started slow and they haven't looked like the Georgias before. It's it's They can definitely do it, especially when – Sometimes when a team is just on, when you have a quarterback like Spencer Rattler who has the ability to just get in the zone and just do things that you wouldn't expect, just running around back there and making amazing plays, that alone can keep you in games. Um, I think Johnny Manziel did that a lot when just he was able to keep Texas A&M in games when they had no business being in those. I'm not saying he is. I'm not saying that Spencer Rattler is by any means Johnny Manziel, but I think he does have the capabilities to take over a game and make it closer uh, in a big moment than it could. Do I think it's going to happen? No, but I do see a world where this game is closer. I'm going to stay away from it for the one simple matchup of Georgia's defensive line versus South Carolina's offensive line. I mean, I just don't think that South Carolina will be able to move the ball on this defensive line. I think it's, I think it's going to be, it could get ugly and I already feel bad for Spencer Rattler. Yeah, and the last time we saw, like I said, them play with North Carolina, I mean, North Carolina had, I want to say, eight sacks or something, and Georgia's... <laughs> North Carolina's or defensive line has nothing on Georgia's defensive line, so I'm with you. I think I think this one could get ugly, but it's, it'll, it'll just be interesting to see Georgia. If Georgia wants to play that game and doesn't overlook South Carolina, it's a blowout, but if they trip up or... It might be a little closer. So go. You got something to say? Go ahead. We we also don't know what Georgia is yet. We like we 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 assume like we trust them. They're gonna be good. They're the number one team for a reason. But we really don't know yet. College football, there is a ton of turnover. I mean, every season is different. So this will be like a game that actually can maybe show us for sure what Georgia is. We assume they're fine. They're gonna be fine. But we don't we haven't seen it yet they got to play the game so that that will be interesting to watch for that at least so the next game one we kind of talked about earlier and it is washington is a 16 and a half point favorite coming into east lansing this game i am really excited for i have been pleasantly surprised with michigan state's performance on the field this year something's going to give in this game though like washington is averaging 565 yards of offense Michigan State's allowing 206 yards per game, which is, I want to say I checked, was top five in college football in terms of yards per game. Now, quality of opponent for Michigan State is nowhere near what Washington is. Central and Richmond do have a lot of talent. Now, the the part that's going to have to, they're going to have to get pressure on Penix, and the secondary is going to have to play the best game of the year because aside from... Well, right now, I wouldn't probably say Ohio State looks as good as a, of a passing attack as Washington has. You're going to have to – this is probably one of the best teams you're going to play on offense for sure with how they throw it. They're not really going to run the football. The best rusher right now in Washington has 78 yards in two games. So they're going to throw the football. Like if they have 60 snaps on offense, 45 of those are going to be pass plays. I mean, Penix is already at – almost 900 yards this season. But on the offensive side for Michigan State, I think they've looked pretty good. Noah Kim has looked, he's looked composed in the first two games. No turnovers. Uh, Nathan Carter, really good transfer from UConn that has just looked very good in the run game. I'm not saying, but I am saying, Cole, 16 and a half points is a lot going across country like that. I mean, a, I'm just, I think it's like a four-hour flight, four or five-hour flight, three-hour time zone difference. I'm not coming on the podcast saying Michigan State's going to win the game, but that's a lot of points for a team that is showing a lot of things on defense. Now this game can go two ways. Michigan State can be let this past week hang over them and lead to a hangover effect on the football field, or they can be extra inspired with Harlan Barnett 
Mark D'Antonio. The game sold out at East or at Spartan Stadium, and they can take advantage of that and have a heck of a football game and show that they're not a team that is going to be a pushover this year in the Big Ten. Yeah, it's going to be. I I personally, Adunze and McMillan with the arm of Penix is going to be too hard and too much for Michigan State's defense to handle. Uh, the past few years, their secondary has been uh, more of a weakness for Michigan State. And I'm not saying it's not improved this year. I will say that you, that when there's a question from the offseason, you really don't know if that's improved until they've played a good team that you can that can truly test them. So that will be fun to watch that matchup to see how Michigan State uh, can handle. Are they actually improved in pass defense? It's it's hard for me to picture when they're playing a top three receiving unit in the country with the I think the leader in odds to win the Heisman this year in Michael Penix. I, I don't know if he's passed Caleb Williams yet, but I know uh, he's getting a lot of love right now. And it's going to be, yeah, that, I, I think it could get ugly for Washington. And I don't even think that would have anything to do with uh, any of the off-field stuff. This is a very, very high-powered offense. And that is going to be as tough for any team to handle. They are probably the best passing attack in the country, or at least top, uh, definitely a top three passing attack in the country. But, yeah, this will, this will tell a lot. If, if, if Michigan State can um, really slow them down, then – one, there will be massive improvement in the secondary for Michigan State. That will be confirmed. And two, maybe Washington isn't as good as everyone thinks they are right now because people are very, very high on them right now. And like you said, on the road, Power 5 team, long flights, time change. It's not going to be easy for them. But yeah, it'll, it'll, this will be a very fun and interesting game to watch. I would be surprised if Michigan State won. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised necessarily if they cover. And I also wouldn't be surprised if Washington just destroys them. So that's that's where I'm at with this game. Yeah, and I think also plays into Michigan State advantage. Washington smacked them last year in Seattle. Um, it was an embarrassing game. And I think you remember those games, especially in these home-and-home home environments we're in in college football now where you, you get a team at your house and then you have to go play them at their house. I think – I'm just real interested in that. The key, like Cole said, is the secondary. Charles Brantley is a very good corner for Michigan State, and he's going to have – I mean, he's he is probably going to be on a Dunze one-on-one the whole day. And he's he was a highly regarded kid out of high school, and this is where you show what you can do. He He's a guy I think is going to be up for it. It's just I don't know if the rest of the secondary is up for it. But I'm really excited for the game. Just It's embarrassing, though, that this game is on Peacock because – I know Peacock and the streaming and all that, but like, how do you put a game like that on Peacock where the only way to watch it is you have to pay for it? Like, I get like, and I'm not saying this at all because I'm I don't like Michigan, but I get putting Michigan and East Carolina on Peacock or like your non-conference games versus like a Mac school or one of those on Peacock. But this game is a especially this week. It's probably one of the top games. Like, I just don't get why it's on Peacock. So for those of you that are at home and don't have Peacock and you can't watch the game and you're like, do do I want to buy it? Well, I'm going to tell you, yeah, buy it. Spend the money and watch the game. But it's just college football. It's kind of frustrating. So probably the – I would say the game in terms of, like, odds and then what this game means, The probably the biggest game is Tennessee at Florida. Tennessee's a a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Tennessee, Florida, massive rivalry. If any of you watched uh, Swamp Kings, really good documentary on Netflix, you can see how big of a rivalry that is in the SEC, but let alone just these two schools. It's really Joe Milton's first test, I would say, as the starter this year. Going into Florida, a lot of the line has come in, or a lot of the money's come in on Florida in this game. I think it opened at seven and a half, eight, and it's down to six and a half. So, um, I think that's more of the public fading Tennessee based on their win last week against Austin P 30 to 13. But this is an interesting game. It's a hard game to go in and win that game in the swamp. And I don't know, Cole, what are your thoughts about this? It's at seven o'clock ESPN. This, this is a weird one. This is a very weird game because Tennessee did not look good last week at all. I think it was against Austin P that was bad. Joe Milton is at the bottom or near the bottom of the SEC and um, QBR right now. 
The wide receiver group does not look good. Their offense is stalling way more than it should. This is a very weird spot. But I think Florida is also not a good team. I really think this is not a good Florida team. Billy Napier is not a good head coach. And I I think that this is a game where Tennessee comes in, wins a game that maybe they shouldn't. Uh, Obviously, they are favored. They should win the game. But in the swamp... I think Billy Napier makes some egregious coaching decisions, something like messes up the, some management, bad offensive play calling. Something will go wrong, and Billy Napier will be officially exposed to all Florida fans in the swamp, and Tennessee will come away with a win that they probably won't deserve in the way they played. I think it's going to be an ugly game, to be honest. And, yeah, I mean, Milton having the lowest QBR in the SEC is pretty bad. So, and he he's he he can make the throws, but that wide receiver group is not doing well at all. And I I don't want to defend Milton. He he left Michigan. I don't want to, but I think that a lot of this is more on that wide receiver group this year than it is on them. So I don't know what's going to happen this game. I think it's going to be an ugly game because both these are two SEC programs that are really underachieving right now. And I think it's going to be really beautiful college football. That's like watching paint dry. <laughs> I don't know if that's a beautiful thing, but no, I, uh, it is It's like, it's like Maction or like a, a mid Saturday, uh, two lower level big 10 teams going against each other. Yeah. Like the, the three to three game going into the fourth quarter. That's <laughs> it's, it's gonna at be the under, but no, I, uh, I think Tennessee is going to win the game. I'm not going to bet this game for the a plus picks. Cause who knows how they're going to win the game, but I, I think they're the better football team and they'll find a way to win. So Cole, Let's get into our teams really quick. Uh, we only got talked about two games because we just talked about Michigan State's game. Bowling Green going into Michigan, 40.5-point favorite. Last game without uh, your boy Jimmy Harbs as the head coach. And then they start Big Ten play next week. What do you want to find out about Michigan this week? One, um, I think that if Harbaugh decides to go to the NFL – and Michigan decides to look internally to replace him, Sherrode Moore is the guy who is next in line. And he has an opportunity to, one, kind of prove it, uh, really run this team well. Obviously, this is the biggest spread that Michigan's had so far, uh, 40 and a half points. I don't necessarily think that anything's going to really be proven here. We need to see Donovan Edwards maybe do a little bit more. That offensive line needs to come. We have two transfers starting on this offensive line, um, and they need to really figure it out in the run protection. Yeah, it it is. Sharon Moore said uh, in a press conference this week that our offensive line, uh, it makes sense that we're struggling so far running the ball, but also that it's time to step up. Uh, He's not surprised about it, but now it's time to step up and really continue to get better every week. We need to see that progression. I think it's Tyler Morris, our sophomore wide receiver. Uh, obviously, we got our two in Roman Wilson and Cornelius Johnson, who I've been doing really well. But sneaky, Tyler Morris went to high school with J.J. McCarthy. He's stepped up. He's a sophomore. He's been getting a lot of targets. Look for him to get a lot of a lot of touches this week, maybe lead the team in touches and uh, maybe have a few touchdowns. And also, there is a uh, Jordan Moore, I think his name is, uh, freshman, Look for him. He's been getting a lot of play time for a freshman receiver at Michigan because that doesn't happen super often. We'll see what happens here, but it, it, they should kill this team again. Uh, I, I could be the head coach of this game, and Michigan would win this game. Uh, and I'm just excited to get done with this preseason, pretty much what it is, non-conference slate. Yeah, speaking of another team wrapping up their preseason, like I like to call it, Ohio State hosts Western Kentucky. Uh Big news out of Ohio State that does not surprise me one bit. Kyle McCord named the official starter, which I think is something that has been in the cards for a little bit and just officially got out. Um, But I think that's good for him because now he knows he's the guy and he can get ready mentally for playing Notre Dame next week as the head as the not the head coach as the starting quarterback. I don't expect much from this game at all. Um, Don't want to spend too much time on it, but it will be nice to see him be the starting quarterback going in to Notre Dame, which is what I was hoping for because I think he has the most chemistry with the best receiver in the country, Marvin Harrison, and I like that they went to high school together. So I think that connection will only grow. And just glad that he's a starter. And one more week of the preseason, and then it starts next week for Ohio State at Notre Dame. So that's going to be a it's going to be a heck of a game. I'm sure we'll talk about that next week. This, this to me, is a sneaky, interesting game. Before anyone starts getting riled up, 
by no means do I think Ohio State's going to lose this game. I do not think that, even in the slightest. This, however, is a look-ahead game for Ohio State going into Notre Dame next week. I expect it to maybe not be as clean as you uh, Ohio State fans would hope. I expect there to be some overreaction after this week about this team uh, in a negative way. Almost kind of what we saw Texas do against Rice before the Alabama game, where it was kind of ugly. Like, what are we even doing here? Western Kentucky, as far as group of five teams go, is not a horrible team. They're projected to win Conference USA this year. Austin Reed is a very good quarterback for a group of five quarterback. They throw the ball a lot. Just don't be surprised if this game is uglier, closer than Ohio State fans would want it to be. Ohio State's going to win this game. And, but I just, I'm just saying they could, they could blow them out and it could be all, all normal. But also look ahead spot against a team that isn't as bad as like uh, who Michigan's playing in Bowling Green. Western Kentucky is a lot better than Bowling Green is. So, so just don't be surprised. Don't overreact. I don't think there will be anything wrong with Ohio State if they are in a game that is closer than it should be. I don't think they're going to be in any danger of losing this game, but I think it'll be an interesting game. And that's my prediction for this one is, is just, just look out for it. It could be a, a look ahead spot against a team that is better than your typical group of five team. Hey, I'll take exactly what you just said. And they look like Texas did against rice and then go on the road and smack a team like that. I'll take that any day of the week. If that's what if they, if they have to struggle against Western Kentucky, but they're going to come out and dominate Notre Dame, sign me up for that any day of the week. But, no, I, I respect Western Kentucky. They, uh, I mean, this is a team that beat South Florida by two or three scores. and Not that South Florida is anything, but South Florida is an American school, and they have talent. So they are a good team. So um, A-plus picks of the week. Let me give a quick recap last week. Cole, big bounce back week, 3-1. and one. Record. He is up to a three and four on the season. Uh, I'm. I went five hundred, two for two. I am at five and three for the season. Cole and I both split a pick. We both had Oklahoma State getting it done for us, which was Cole at during our podcast we were recording. He was confident about it. He stuck to that gut because we were recording when it was halftime and they were losing to Arizona State. But Cole stuck with it. He t- he told us what that Arizona State team is like. And uh, we won the pick. So, Cole, start us off with your first pick for week three. Yes, my first one is actually a Friday game. Um, We didn't talk about this one. Maryland at Virginia. Virginia is a very, very bad team. You can put up points on this team and put points on them fast. I think just they're going to, they're going to, Talia is going to throw for a lot of passing yards this game. Maryland minus 15 and a half is my first A plus pick. All right. So no secret here, Michigan state plus 16 and a half uh, against Washington. I'm one and oh picking the Spartans on the podcast. And I feel more comfortable about this one than I did the central pick. I just think, I think there's too much emotional energy at that stadium that these, these kids are going to feed off it. And they're going to make it a really good football game. I think Washington is really good, but I think Michigan State's a little bit better than people think. And it's just going to come down to can that secondary guard the receivers and limit the explosive offense of Washington. So Michigan State plus 16.5 at home against Washington is my first pick. All right, we're going back to the Big Ten. Penn State at Illinois. I am taking Illinois plus 14.5. I do not think Illinois is going to win this game. I think this is another one that could be relatively ugly. And Illinois, I think 14 and a half points is a lot of points. So I'm going to take Illinois to not lose by more than 14 and a half points. All right. Okay. That That's not one of mine, but I was I was really close to picking that same line. I, I like that a lot. I think, I think you're going to have a good job with that pick. So here's my, if I could, if I could say lock of the week, Western Michigan, Iowa, under 42 and a half points. Okay, here, Iowa hasn't scored in a game that they've played this year. There hasn't been more than 38 points scored in a game, okay? And that was when they played Utah State. Basically, I'm looking at this, and Cole and I have a running joke with Iowa and how many points they score a game. Iowa can beat their... their uh, what is it? Twenty-five calls. What they have to score per game? That's mm-hmm. okay. So they can score three more points. Twenty-eight. So that's four touchdowns, which would be which would be their highest scoring output of the season. 
And then that would still mean Western Michigan needs to score two more tu- two touchdowns. And then it's still under the 42. I think this total is ridiculous. 42.5 points for those two teams. Western Michigan's horrible. They scored seven points last week against Syracuse. I just love this pick. Under 42.5 points. And I love that I'm not going to watch any of the game. And I'll just check my phone. And, and I was going to win like 31-3 to or something. And... I'm going to cover. So I, anytime I see that Iowa over under in the 40s, that that's that definitely is a red alert. And I think their defense is so good that they're playing Western Michigan, who is not good. And so I'm going for under 42 and a half. Sorry, there's a little more explanation there. But that's saying there's six touchdowns in this game, and I just don't see it. I, I just don't see Look, it. Look, I'm going to back you in that. I am. The one thing I want you to be aware of. I agree with you. They have not scored – more than 25 points in two games. And the way averages work is that they need to now make up some points for those games. So I would just be slightly nervous that, because I'm going to bet this with you. I, I agree with you. I think it is a very good bet. Hey, I don't think they care about the incentive because it's his, it's the coach's son. I think he's just going to be like, hey, I'll if we go win 10 games, I'll just give you a bonus. <laughs> I mean, probably. You're right, honestly. But I know, I'm just... I'm just saying they need to make up points somewhere. So that's my only pause with that, but I'm going to back you on that. I think it's a great pick. All right, my next one. Back to the Big Ten. Virginia Tech at Rutgers. Give me Rutgers minus six and a half. I think Rutgers is a better team than people think, and Virginia Tech is not a good team. And then you're going to tell me Virginia Tech's going to go on the road? Yeah, I think I think Rutgers is going to kind of prove themselves. Could be a look-ahead game, though. That's the one thing I'm worried about. They play Michigan next week. That's their Super Bowl. So we'll see. But I think that Rutgers is going to be coming into that game with some confidence, uh, full steam ahead, ready to get to Michigan. And I think they are better than people think, and they're going to prove it this week. Fade the state of Virginia on the picks. I like that. You're you're 0 for 2 with the state of Virginia on this, but they are bad at football right now. So The, the, the state of Virginia can't even recruit their own kids. They have a very good state as far as talent, and they don't get any of their kids. None of them. Bad state of teams right now. Bad state. You heard it right there. So I'm going to go with – this one's going to surprise some people, but I think – I got West Virginia minus one and a half at home against Pitt. I don't think West Virginia is that good. I don't really think Pitt's as good as they were um, kind of perceived to be. And I think this is the perfect, perfect spot for West Virginia to make their statement. So primetime in Morgantown, give me uh, give me West Virginia minus one and a half. Look, I, I was going to do that. I was going to I was going to say that. But then I remembered what I said last week, and I said, nope, I will not bet on a pit team on a pit game, whether it's against them or for them. But I think that's a great pick. I think West Virginia is a lot better than people think. Neil Brown is officially not even like the fourth or fifth, but not even like the fourth or fifth coach with the name on the hottest seat, where he came into the season as probably the name with the, on the hottest seat. And he has actually improved his stock since the season started. So, uh, good for him, and I think he's going to continue to try to do that. I think that's a great pick. My last pick is BYU at Arkansas. Arkansas has looked a little tough the last few weeks, especially last week. Um, looked really bad against a bad Kent State team. However, this is at Arkansas, and I think their fans will show up. It's going to be a tough environment. It is a night game. And I think this line is a lot better than it would be if Arkansas hadn't struggled the last two weeks. So I think we're kind of getting a steal here because I do still believe that they are a good team. And I think Arkansas is going to run through them. So Arkansas minus eight and a half is my last pick. Oh, I have two picks that I'm down to that I don't know which one to pick. And I think I'm going to have to go with the uh, fading Arizona State crowd game. So I'm going to go Fresno State minus three. At Arizona State. So Fresno State, I watched the whole game when they played Purdue, and they have a quarterback in Mikey Keene that can sling the football, and they impressed me. I thought they looked like a very good team. Uh, This is a team that uh, won the Mountain West last year, and I think they go into Arizona State and win that game. I will say my other line I liked, if I could get a half a more point, I was going to take Mississippi State, against LSU but I it's at nine and a half and I can see that being a 10 point win for LSU and honorable mention I, they couldn't do it so 
those are our uh, A plus picks of the week. I think we got some good picks this week, Cole. I agree. We're, we're the, I had to get through that first week. I had to see teams play football, and now that I've seen it, I think I'm gonna be just continue to be on be hot, and I, I feel good about my picks. This was a tough week to pick, but I found the games I liked, and we're rolling through it. Absolutely. Any final thoughts for our fans? Don't take this week for granted. I said it earlier. The best weeks often come out of nowhere and surprise you of crazy games. If South Carolina beats Georgia, makes it close, has a fun game, maybe that goes to overtime. What a fun, fun game, fun week. If Western Kentucky keeps it close with Ohio State, we're going to be watching that. The whole country's going to be watching that game like, oh, my gosh, what's happening here? Overreacting. Uh, a lot of games. Michigan State beats Washington. This week could be turn out to be a way better week. you got to watch the games. You don't want to be the guy that missed out, or, or girl, that missed out on watching some good football, a week that could define this season. You don't want to know what week that's going to be. So don't miss out on this week. Don't take it for granted. You would be begging for this week five weeks ago. Let's watch some ball. Don't, let's, enjoy, let's enjoy some ball. They could be better. Who cares if they're not? It's college football. It's all good. Perfect, because... I got a feeling we got a crazy upset coming today or coming this weekend. I just I just have a feeling that we're gonna get it. So like and subscribe to the podcast. Keep sharing this. We're growing. Uh, numbers are doing good. We'll keep up the social media content um, where we've been posting all of our picks of the week. We've been posting uh, short video clips from our episodes. And as always, thank you, Aiden, for editing the podcast. We couldn't do it without you. Sit back and watch some great football this weekend and watch with some friends. Just have a good time, and we'll be back next week on A Degree in Sports.